Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. During these Wednesday evening services, we are talking about the subject of prayer, and in particular, we're talking about developing a successful prayer life. Some of the key ingredients to developing a successful prayer life and we're using as a text Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 6 through 13. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 6 through 13. Let's just go ahead and read those verses again this evening before we begin. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. First and foremost, we said, according to the teachings of Jesus, our Savior and Lord, the first and most important step that anyone can take in developing a successful prayer life is to find a private secret place where you meet alone with God and practice His presence. Isn't that what Jesus said? Go to a private secret place and pray to your Father in secret who sees in secret and will reward you openly. Now I want to, before I get involved in this again tonight, say this to you. Some of you out there might be thinking, well, You've talked, this is now the fourth lesson on the subject, so if you put all that together, that's a lot of time teaching this. I don't have that kind of time to spend in prayer. Well, just because we're teaching a whole service on one of these points doesn't mean it takes that length of time to implement that in your life. It takes but a moment to implement in your life. You may do some research and study and that takes time obviously but we're all supposed to be students of the word amen? amen see we know the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available and dynamic in its working and to be effective does not necessarily mean length of time you can spend a lot of time in prayer and that time be fruitless if you don't know how to pray but if you learn how to pray you can spend less time in prayer, yet be more successful and fruitful because your prayers are effective and they avail much. And so that's why we're, we're looking at Jesus to discover what he said about prayer because I think he was pretty successful in his prayer life, don't you? And if anybody knows anything about prayer, it's Jesus. And so the first thing he said was, practice the presence of God. 
Get used to practicing the presence of God. And that step takes but a moment. Find a secret place. Have you found your place yet? Find your secret place and say, this is where I'm going to meet you. That takes but a moment. We talked about the value of it. We talked about the importance of it. And now that you know that, just do it. And that takes but a moment. Here's my secret place. I'm going to shut myself in with God and practice His presence. Step number two is what? Successful prayer or praying begins with worship and praise and ends with worship and praise. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now we spend a whole service talking about that particular thing, but listen, it takes but a moment once you learn it. And so now I've got a secret place, and Father, now that I'm in that secret place, that takes one moment. Now, Father, the first thing I'm going to do is to give thanks to you and bless and praise your wonderful name. That took a couple of seconds, right? That's it. That's all it took. I bless your holy name. I give thanks to you for who you are. I thank you for being a part of my life. I thank you for washing me in the blood. I just thank you for delivering me and setting me free by your mighty power and glory. I thank you that I know you. I thank you that I'm living in the United States of America where I have freedom to pursue you. Now, you can spend as much time doing that as you want, but it doesn't take a whole lot of time. You'll recall that Jesus, before he ever did anything in the natural, he always said, Father, I thank thee. Even before he raised up Lazarus from the dead, he said, I thank thee that thou hearest me always. So step number one, find a private place where you can practice the presence of God. Step number two is begin and end with worship and praise. Step number three, and this is so important, prayer since prayer is joining forces together with God to accomplish His will in the earth, then it's absolutely vital and essential that we do everything we can to discover the will of God before we pray. And if we don't know the will of God, then use prayer to discover the will of God. Did you get that? See, to, to know the will of God, to learn the will of God, we've got to get into the Word of God because the Word of God reveals the will of God. There are a lot of things that the Bible reveals to us as being the will of God. For example, God's not willing that any man should perish, right? So if I go to God and I say in, in this secret place, Father, I don't want my, for example, father to die and be lost. It's your will that he be saved. I'm praying accurately, aren't I? Because I know it's God's will he be saved. I know it's your will for him to be saved. And so now I am approaching your presence and I'm asking you to send labors across his path. Those that will give him the word of God. He may not receive it from me because I'm his son. But I want you to send laborers. So I'm asking you to send laborers across his path to give him the word of God so that he would be exposed to the truth that would make him free. Now, that's pretty accurate. That's in the will of God because I know it's the will of God he saved. And then you can discover from the Word of God many things that constitute the will of God for human life. And so you pray in harmony with the will of God. He said, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank God for the kingdom of God. Thank God for heaven. Thank God for the Father that we've got a loving Father in heaven, and heaven's a real place. Thank God for that. It's beautiful up there. It's wonderful up there. And it, all is well up there. But God is saying, look, 
It's not well down there on earth where you're at. So I want you to pray that my will would be done. I want you to see this is so important. It's not for me to pray that, that God do whatever to somebody else if it's not in his will. So I must discover the will of God and pray that. God is concerned about his will being done on earth, not mine, not yours, but his will being done. And so if I look to him and say, Father God, I don't really know what your will is in this circumstance. You know what? So I'm going to approach you in prayer to ascertain your will, to discover your will. What is your will in this matter? And I'm waiting on you to reveal it to me. You know why? If I don't know his will, I don't have a foundation for my faith. But if I know it's his will, I have a foundation for my faith. For example, when the Lord instructed me to attend Rhema Bible Training Center almost 20 years ago, well, 20 years ago, over 20 years ago, when he instructed me to do that, I knew it was his will that I go. And because I knew it was his will to go, when I went and found myself in the will of God, when I discovered that there was a difficult situation or an adversity or whatever, I can go to God and I can say with assurance in my heart, Father, it's your will to supply my need while I'm here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I know it's your will because you told me to come. And I'm here because you sent me. I know it is your will. And therefore, I look to you to provide what I need. I had a sure foundation, an anchor for the soul. I could believe God in faith. Why? Because I was in his will. Now, if I was there and doubted whether or not he sent me, and said, well, no, I don't really know that I need to be here or I should be here now, Lord. I, I don't understand. You know what? If you're like that, you should never go. Don't go if you don't know the will of God. A lot of people are having problems because they don't know the will of God. And they're endeavoring to step out not knowing the will of God, and that's going to create problems. But if you know the will of God and you say daily, I want your will done in my life, then God will reveal his will to you. And when you step out into the will of God, you have got a foundation for your prayer life, a foundation for your faith. Make Proverbs 16, 3, Amplified Version of the Bible your confession of faith. I commit my way to you and I trust you with my way and therefore you cause my thoughts to be agreeable to your will that my plans are established and succeed. Did you hear that? Did you get that? Father, today I want your will done in my life and I'm asking that you cause my thoughts to be agreeable to your will that my plans are established and succeed. I don't want to step out in my will that's not a safe place to be in. I want to step out in your will for my life and I submit myself to your will. So we're saying this. Know the will of God before you pray because if you pray in the will of God, 1 John 5, 14 says what? If you pray anything according to his will, he hears you. Oh, I like that, don't you? And you can assuredly say, I know you heard me, Father, because I prayed according to your will. And I found your will out because I read the book. It's your last will and testament. So I know it's your will. I've read the will. Amen? Amen. Someone was, uh, was attending an, a, an underground church, an underground Bible study where they were, you know, obviously not permitted to be meeting and having Bible studies. And one of the authorities saw these two walking along the street and said to them, where are you going? And they didn't want to lie. They didn't want to lie. Said, well... Thought about it just for a moment said, well, our older brother died. And we're just going to attend a meeting where they're going to share with us the will. There'll be a reading of the will. And that's where we're going. 
And I thought about that for a moment, and I said, that's really true, isn't it? Amen. Our older brother Jesus died, and we're going to attend the reading of the will. This is the last will and testament of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we need to know the will of God so we can pray in the will of God and step out into the will of God so you have a sure foundation for your faith. You have a productive prayer life. If you don't know the will of God, your prayer life will suffer. So pray to ascertain the will of God if you don't know it. And most assuredly, if you read the word of God, you'll discover it. Amen. Okay, that brings us to our next point, And that's number four. And that is in verse... 11, give us this day our daily bread. Everybody say give. give. Everybody say daily. Give. Say it again, give, give. daily. Give. We need to learn the importance of daily contact with heaven. Everybody say daily. daily. Say daily contact, daily, consistent daily contact. Now, let me have your attention. Notice after Jesus talked about a private place, talked about worshiping God, talking about our Father in heaven who is worthy to be glorified, then talked about that heaven's a beautiful place, but now we need to have the will of God done on earth as it is in heaven. See, for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, you've got to give us something. Did you get that? We can't carry out the will of God on earth without Him giving us what we need to carry it out. God's will in evangelizing the world will never be accomplished apart from His giving us the resources that we need to do the job. Whatever it is, whatever aspect of ministry you're engaged in, God's will being done in your family life, you need something from heaven in order to get that job done. We all do. I do. You do. We all do. We all need heaven's resources. So notice that Jesus said, give us. It's not wrong to say, give us. It's not wrong for us to look to God and say, okay, you want the world to be evangelized. Okay, you want the sick to be healed. Okay, you want the deaf to hear, the blind to see, the lame to walk, the maimed to be made whole. Okay, you want us to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the land. Okay, so give us. Give us what we need to get the job done daily. He is teaching the importance of daily, everybody say daily, daily contact with heaven, daily. This is going to bless you. Turn back to the book of Exodus, if you would, please. Exodus in chapter 16. Daily contact because daily there are things we need from heaven in our lives that will enable us to do what? Establish the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. Be it in the earth, in my life, in our family's life, in the life of the church, the body of Christ, the nation, the world. We need... Daily, everybody say daily. Something from heaven that will enable us to accomplish the purpose of God's will. In Exodus chapter 16, we see this being taught in the Old Testament to the Israelites by God the Father himself. Look at verse 4. 
Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate. Everybody say every day. Daily. Every day. A certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. Notice daily bread. Every day. Every day daily bread. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. So daily means there has to be daily contact. Daily contact means daily awareness. Daily contact and daily awareness means we develop a habit of our need to go to God for His resources. How often? How many days? Every day. But I also want you to notice that on the sixth day they were to gather twice as much and on the seventh day they were to rest and not go and gather. Look at verse 19. I'm not going to take time to read the whole thing, but you will notice that what God said happened. They were complaining because they didn't have sustenance. They wanted a daily provision of what they needed to have their strength and ability to live. So God let them know that Heaven's Bakery has a delivery service. And He delivered manna from heaven, heavenly bread, heavenly food. And when they arose in the morning, they saw out there on the dew these little loaves called manna, their daily supply. Each one was responsible for his own daily bread. Each one was to go out and collect enough for himself and for his family based on the measure that God already shared. They would have then a full supply for the day and no more. They were not to gather extra. They were not to have any left over and store it up or hoard it for the next day. They were told that if they would... It would breed worms and decay. Right? Well, let's just see how they are. And God said this to number one, let them know that they were to be dependent on Him daily and to prove whether or not they would be obedient. Verse 19, And Moses said, Let no man leave of it till the morning, notwithstanding they hearken not unto Moses. Oh, my. But some of them left of it until the morning and it bred worms and stank and Moses was wroth with them and they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating and when the sun waxed hot, it melted. And it came to pass that on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for one man and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses... And he said unto them, This is that which the Lord hath said. Tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which ye will bake today, today and see that ye will seethe, and that which remaineth over lay up for you to be kept until morning. And they laid it up till the morning as Moses made, 
and it did not stink, neither was there any worm. And Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Today ye shall not find it in the field. Six days ye shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, in it there shall be none. Now listen. What made it breed worms and stink was not the fact that there was a problem with the heavenly supply. If that were true, then what they gathered on the sixth day would have been rotten by the next morning. Isn't that true? How was it sustained over the sixth day into the seventh day and not on the other days when they just took up more than they needed and left it overnight for the next day so they could have more? What caused it to spoil? Disobedience and unbelief. Fear. Did you hear that? Fear, disobedience, unbelief caused it to spoil. What caused it to remain? Heaven sustained it. Heaven maintained it as they believed in the Word of God and did what God said to do. As they operated in obedience and faith, what happened? It remained and it didn't breed worms and it didn't spoil. It's the same substance. It's the same bread. But the scenario is different on these two occasions, right? Absolutely. So what is God teaching them? You can hoard it all you want. As long as you're operating in unbelief, as long as you're operating in doubt, as long as you're operating in disobedience, you're not going to get anywhere. But if you listen to what I say to do and do it according to my design and plan, then it'll be sustained. It will not decay. It will not breed worms. It'll be safe for human consumption on the next day. And what does this show? What does this prove? They need God. They must depend on God. They need God to provide daily what they need, and God was teaching them that lesson. He didn't say ask for a year's supply. He didn't say ask for a month's supply. He didn't say go out there and get yourself a, a whole week's supply. He said get a daily supply. And trust me that every single day I will provide what you need. And if they didn't do what he said do, then, beloved, it would decay or it would rot and it would spoil. I'll tell you something else. You apply that to your prayer life and you'll find this to be true. Every day you go to God in prayer, you are saying to him, Heavenly Father, I need your daily strength and sustaining power. I need the resources that you supply. I need every single day to be in contact with you so that you can supply what I need to carry out your purposes in the earth to daily live for you in this life. If you don't do it daily, what you're indicating to the Father, be it unconsciously, you're saying, well, I can handle it myself. I can live today successfully without your power in my life. I don't have to be in contact with you for any length of time to get through this day. I don't really need your provision of daily strength and sustaining power. 
How many of you can see that? That's what you're saying. You're saying it maybe unconsciously or unawares, but you're saying it. You see, beloved, he was trying to teach them the importance of daily contact, the importance of looking to him every single day to supply what is necessary for them to evangelize the world, to fulfill his will, to realize his blessings in their lives on a day-by-day basis. He was letting them know apart from him they could do nothing. Without his sustaining grace, they would be incapable of being a success. I really believe this to be true. Through believing prayer, we mobilize that which enables us to have successful lives. Without daily prayer, we mobilize the forces that cause us to have unsuccessful lives. Through daily prayer and contact with heaven, we mobilize the forces that enable us to paralyze the strategies of Satan and the powers of darkness that are arrayed against us. If we understand that truth, daily prayer or daily contact or daily dependency on God is a no-brainer. Amen? No wonder Satan's strategies are effective against many of God's people. No wonder many are overtaken and overcome by the powers of darkness. If we see not a need to have a daily supply of his sustaining grace, of his delivering power, then we won't have daily contact. And Satan's strategies would be, will be enforced and God's people will be overcome. But if we rise up and say, oh, no. <laughs> no, no, Father. Okay, look, let me show you. See, this takes long. No, Father, this is my secret little place right here, right there. Father, I know you're right here. I'm practicing your presence. Father, I bless your holy name and I thank you for who you are and for everything you've ever done for human life on earth. I'm here to join forces together with you to establish your will on this earth that it would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not just in my life, Father. I look far beyond my life, but the whole earth. That your kingdom would be birthed into the hearts of men everywhere. That the church would walk in the perfect will that you have for its existence. And yes, Father, that your will will be done even in my life on earth as it is in heaven. Now, Father, I need to be here to draw from your resources to accomplish these purposes. So, Father, give me, give me at this moment the wisdom, the understanding, the power, the ability all that I need. Oh, and I thank you for food, for clothing, and for shelter. And you know what, Father? My son is going to be attending college, and therefore I thank you for the provision financially to provide that education for him. You said, give us daily what we need. I didn't need that yesterday, but I need it today. And so, Father, give it. 
That didn't take very long, did it? What do you do today? Father, give me the strength that I need to do my job. Give me the ability that I need to be a father, to be a husband, to be a wife, to do whatever I do. In a moment's time, you can pray that prayer. And do you know what you just did? You unleashed. You unleashed that which is necessary for you to be a success. You know what else you did? You bound the hand of Satan. You broke the powers of darkness. You came against satanic strategies and you rendered them ineffective in your life because you believe in the secret of daily contact. What do you need? Take it to God. And... What do you do? You unleash what you need to be a success in this life. Beloved, I want you to turn with me to the book of Psalms, and I want you to understand along with me that our prayers have substance to them. I don't want you to view prayer as just being uttering some meaningless words, hoping or even praying that a certain combination just might twist God's arm enough to make him do something. A lot of people are like that. It's just a shot in the dark. I just might be able to get God to do something if I could just maybe put a few words together like I should. No. It's all sincerity of the heart. It is giving him the due respect that he deserves to say, Father, to be effective in prayer, I'm going to find out what you said about it. If I'm going to pray without finding out what God said about it, I am really, it's like walking into his, his holy throne room and saying, Heavenly Father, I've got a problem. I need to know how to deal with it. And he said, Son, I gave you the solution to that problem in my word if you read chapter so-and-so out of this book. Well, I appreciate that, Lord, but I want you to sit here and discuss it with me. Wait a minute. Let's give him the due respect that he deserves. If he gave me that book as a counseling book, if he gave me that book as an instructional book, I should read it to find out and discover what he has spoken and said to me to make my life better than honor him by saying, Father, this is what you said to do, and I'm going to do it. Somebody say amen. amen. Your prayers have substance. Say it with me, my prayers have substance. My prayers. See, your prayers are powerful. Your prayers are meaningful. I want you to understand this, saints. Your prayers make a difference in your life. They will unleash what is necessary for you to be a success and they will destroy the powers arranged against you to defeat you if you understand that your prayers have substance. They mean something to your life. More than your necessary bread, more than your daily portion of food, you need to know the importance, and I need to know the importance of contacting God daily in prayer to receive from Him, give me this day what I need to be a success. And not just my success, but to be a success in carrying out your will on earth. You can't evangelize this world without his power, his wisdom, his financial resources. I can't do that, can you? No. So we need it. So what did Jesus say to do? Ask for it. Give us. Ask him to give it to you. Now listen. Your prayers have substance. Psalm 141, verse 2. Let my prayer be set forth as incense before, or in, as incense, Psalm 141, verse 2. Let my prayer be set forth as, before thee as incense, and the lifting 
up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Now I want you to just do this little bit of a demonstration with me if you don't mind. Let my prayer be set up as incense before you and the lifting of my hands is the evening sacrifice. Incense and sacrifice. I want you to lift your hands to heaven with me. Just lift them up to heaven with me and say, just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I love you and I bless you. And I pray that you would give me the resources that I need to help evangelize this world. Give me seed to sow that the word will go forth. The hearts of men will be touched and decisions will be made for Jesus. I thank you for this mighty provision in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now stop right there and hold your thoughts and turn to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. Your prayers have substance. Your prayers count. Your prayers are powerful. Your prayers are meaningful. Revelation chapter 5. We, we know this chapter. We know that the scene takes place in heaven. We know that John has been caught up and in a vision he sees this happening. It's the revelation given to him by Jesus. In verse 7, Jesus comes and takes the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, in verse 8, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. Now, wait a minute. You back up, and if you read your margin, at least my margin says, golden vials full of incense. Golden vials full of what? Incense, which are the what? Prayers of saints. It's almost as if that God has collected these prayers, and they're in these golden vials, and there is incense going up before the presence of the Father there waiting to be filled, fulfilled in their season. Let my, be, my prayer be set forth before you as what? Incense. Do you know that your faith-filled prayers are contained in vials, golden vials, full of incense as incense before the presence of the throne of God? May I give you just a, a little bit of what I, it, 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 as far as the way I see some things? I've got children growing up, and I'm educated enough to know that I'm probably going to depart to be with God in heaven before they do. Dante's only, he's not even three months old yet. I believe that if I pray certain prayers before I leave this realm of life, that even when I get to heaven on the other side, those prayers I pray over Dante's life are contained in these golden vials full of incense, and they continue to perfume the very throne of God on the behalf of my son Dante, who will be blessed because of my prayers. When Abraham laid his hands on his children, Isaac and Jacob, and Jacob blessed his, I mean, it goes on and on. The blessing was passed from the one to the next. 
Do you see that? The blessing was passed on from the one to the next. And there they are contained in these golden vows, as incense before the throne of God, going up, going up, going up. They're not wasted. They're not wasted. So some of you that leave this realm of life and you're wanting to see the salvation of your children, you know what? You keep your prayer in a golden vow as incense before the throne of God. And even when you leave, you believe. Amen. Right. Say amen, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. Boy, that just excites amen. my soul. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, are you, how many of you got your still-toed shoes on? Okay. Some of you do. You want to know one of the biggest mistakes made by most, if not all, Christians is? It's a mindset that we have. We want healing that we can't lose rather than health that comes from a daily dependence on the quickening power of the Holy Ghost as we are intimate with the Father daily in prayer. We'd rather have a healing that you can't lose. In other words, I've been healed now. Thank God I'm healed. And the mindset is, I want that to stay that way and I never want to lose it. Rather than experience the health that comes to us from a daily quickening of the Holy Ghost as we look to the Father and say, give me this day the health that I need by the quickening of your spirit in Romans 8:11 that says you raised up Jesus from the dead by the mighty power of the Holy Ghost and you also quickened my mortal body by the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead see we don't discipline ourselves enough to say I need daily health I need daily provision of God's health and strength so that I can maintain daily a strong, vigorous, healthy life. We'd rather be of this mindset. Well, I'm healed now. I want it to stay that way. Never lose it. Never lose it. No matter what I do, never lose it. Now, let me take another step further. We'd rather have a baptism in the Spirit that you can never lose and never have any diminishing of the power and the anointing of God rather than an infilling of fresh oil that comes daily to our lives as we look to Him in prayer and thank Him to be being filled with the Holy Ghost's anointing, fresh oil, power, and ability. See, we'd rather have it the other way. I got filled 14 years ago and I want to run on 14 years ago's feeling and not for 14 years daily saying, thank you for filling me to overflowing and for fresh oil in my life, the power of God rising up in me, an impartation of whatever I need by your spirit to carry out your purposes every single day. Does it not say be being filled daily with the Holy Ghost, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and making melody in your heart unto the Lord? Doesn't it say that? 
But be honest with me, and I'm asking you to be honest. You're a Christian now, be honest. The average mind says this, I'd rather have the 14 year ago, I got filled, and you know what, I got so full that it stays that way forever. We'd rather have that. Who wouldn't rather have that? Without anything more than I do, just stay full. It doesn't work that way. Jesus went daily to the Father. Turn with me, if you would, please, to Daniel chapter 6, and we'll close it with one more scripture after this. Daniel chapter 6. I'm watching. Daniel was an individual who was very successful in his life. How many of you have read about Daniel? How many of you can attest to his success? How many of you know that he had ups and downs and trials and tribulations and adversities in life and that life was not a bed of roses for Daniel? How many of you know about Daniel's overnight stay in the lion's den? I've stayed at many lodges, many hotels throughout the course of my life, but I've never stayed an overnight stay in a lion's den. Have you? How many of you know that Daniel was successful in his overnight stay in the lion's den? How many of you would like to know the secret to his success? Because you'll never know when you might be placed in the lion's den. But you'll know what to do if you do, do get placed there. The secret to his success was that Daniel established at an early age what I'm teaching tonight. He saw to it that he every single day of his life allowed nothing, absolutely nothing to interrupt, interrupt his time alone with God. Matter of fact, he didn't just do it once a day. He did it three times a day. Look at Daniel chapter 6, chapter six and verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, this was the decree, as you know, how they tried to deceive the king and all this and put Daniel to death because they were jealous of Daniel. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, that, that everyone in the whole kingdom was supposed to bow, remember, and not pray to any god but his god, the false god, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Do you hear that? He did it before the decree. He did it during the decree. He did it during the overnight stay in the lion's den. And he did it after the decree. Somebody say amen. amen. It was his custom. He wasn't changing because of the circumstances. He wasn't changing because of the pressure. He wasn't changing for fear. He knew his success was found in remaining the same. Not going to God in times of crisis in times of danger, every single day, three times a day, facing Jerusalem, giving thanks unto God. And so when he had to pack up his bags and move into the lion's den, he knew what to do. And you know what? He succeeded. He was a success. Now, let me point out one more thing and we'll close right here. In Matthew 14... If Jesus had to daily pray, my goodness, where does that leave us? If Jesus 
prayed daily, if Daniel prayed three times a day, and in particular, if Jesus prayed daily, no wonder it says pray without ceasing as far as we're concerned. Right? Now, when you read this particular passage of Scripture, usually you focus in on Peter walking on the water. Right? Jesus walked out on the water. Look at verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into his ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. So now you've got the picture. His disciples are getting into the boats and they are getting out, out on the water and they're going to the other side. While he was remaining behind and sending the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. See, sometimes we kind of overlook that. Where did he go? Up into the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Boy, isn't that what we're talking about? A private place apart from everything else, alone with God, praying. Now, you had to know he was praying that the will of the Father be done on earth. And in every circumstance, now look, at, let's read on. He was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. Where did he get the power? He needed some provision, didn't he? He needed some sustaining grace, didn't he? He went to the Father in prayer. Give me what I need to achieve your purposes in the earth. He was equipped, and when the problem arose, he met and faced the problem with the power of God. And you know the rest of the story. My focus is not on Peter, so I won't read the rest. My focus was on Jesus and what he did, and he did this daily. Amen. So now let's just put your notebooks away, shut your Bibles. Let me show you how fast, even though this took 46 minutes, I can read. Listen carefully. I'm alone with you, Father. Father, I know you're here in my life. Father, I bless your holy name, and I thank you for being God of all the universe. Father, I'm here to establish your will on earth as it is in heaven not just in my life alone, but in all the earth, that your kingdom would be birthed into the hearts of men. So, Father, give me what I need today, this day, a daily provision of your power, of your resources, of your glory, of your wisdom, of your might, of your strength, of your abilities, so that I can fulfill what you would have me to do to establish your will on earth today. That took seconds. Not hours, but seconds. How many of you can see that? Let's all stand together before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. 
But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.